Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. Welcome to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night Show. John will be joining us momentarily in studio. We have Judge Richard Weinberg. We have Tony Carbonetti. Do we have John there yet? John Katzmatidis? I'm here somewhere, somewhere in a studio far, far away. <laughs> Undisclosed location. Before we get yes. to Charlie Gasparino to talk about this 40-year high inflation rate, we will also be speaking with uh, Rona McDaniel. She's the RNC chairwoman. And we'll also be speaking to Bert Flickinger. He's going to tell us just how much it's costing the average American, the Amer- average American family. I mean, this inflation is out of control. We'll also be talking to legendary restaurateur Stratus Morphogen about how he can't even open up a restaurant because crime is so out of control here in New York City. But let's go first to Charlie Gasparino. Charlie, this consumer price index increased by 9.1% in June from one year earlier. This is the steepest increase in nearly 41 years. Wow. It just looks like it's only going to get worse. Yeah, and it's it, – but it's it's a month old. I mean, I, you know, I'm trying to find a silver lining here. It's June. We're kind of into July now. Um, it's not quite a month old, but you, you get what I'm saying. Yes, um, yes. Uh, things have changed in the last couple of weeks. Um, and uh, oil prices have gone down, obviously. Not that much, though, but they've gone down, and, and some other indicators have, have abated. Um, here's the problem, I think, though. I think the Fed almost so, – so inflation may be – we may have peak inflation at 9.1, okay, and it may be going down to 8, 6, 7, uh, which is nothing to write home about. I still think that forces the Fed to act actually more aggressively. I think I think the the um, the writing's on the wall. They're going to do a point increase next uh, later this month. Uh, they almost have to. Uh, the market's kind of pricing it in right now uh, because you know one of the things with inflation is that the Fed traditionally has wanted to overcorrect rather than undercorrect, just in case you know you don't want it. Bouncing down, you don't want it to bounce back. For example, to you know, in two months from now, go back up to nine point one. So you you got to kind of you got to cut it off at the track. So I think they're almost going to they're almost definitely going to one. The economy is almost definitely going to slow pretty significantly, um, and we're likely to get a recession. And I think markets will reflect that, and they already are, are today, but they're going to reflect it even more. Charlie, it's, it's Richard Weinberg. Why? Is the Biden administration and the congressional Democrats pushing for more taxes and more spending at this time? Does this make any sense at all? Well, from a Keynesian standpoint, the spending makes sense, right? I mean, you want to infuse the economy with you, you want to, you know, uh, 
jack up the jazz up the economy. From uh, even though I don't think it's it's obviously not the most um, uh, uh, efficient way of doing it. Obviously, if you spend more right now, you're selling bonds, right? If you sell bonds, guess what happens? The price goes down. Generally, interest rates go up because you're increasing supply. So that's not good. Uh, you know, one of the the easiest things I think for anybody to do right now is is essentially do some pro growth deregulation, but that's just not going to happen out of the Biden administration. So you're kind of stuck here with you know fiscal fiscal uh, a fiscal policy that's largely contract contraction uh, contractory, and the same thing with with monetary policy. So that's why you got to think you're going into a recession. I mean, now, the f- um, I'm sorry, Charlie. I, I have a different opinion. I think you know my opinion. Right. I, I I respect your opinion, and you you feel that the Fed is going to do what they have to do, what they've done traditionally. And I'm worried about the rest of the economy, and I'm saying to the Fed, and I've said to to them repeatedly, that if you do what you say you're going to do, raise it a half a point, 75 basis points, a point, then the rest of the economy is going to go to crap. Yeah, they're going to do and, a point, John, though. They're doing a point, Well. Then that's my concern. That the the real estate market would you pay seven percent for money for a thirty year mortgage? No, of course not. But uh, but that's okay, the whole point so of it. That's the whole point of this. I mean, well, now listen, listen, I'm not saying I agree with them. I I, yeah. I I'm actually I don't know what I think. You know, personally, opinion wise, um, I. I Kind of see what you're saying, and I, but I also worry about inflation coming back because once it gets settled in there, sometimes it comes back. The only and, reason inflation went up was the oil prices, and, and 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 the White House refuses to accept the fact it started with the oil prices. They right, but the, but the fact is that they're refusing to accept that, and we have what is oil trading at now? It's uh, it's below 100, 95, right? 96, yeah. Now, uh, I mean, even the Mexican president made fun of. Uh, okay, crude oil right now, saying, my chart is is ninety six forty two, right? Um, yeah. That's still not that great. Okay, that's still no, it's not it should be in the not astronomical, but that's but that could be indicative, John, of seven percent um, inflation, which you know that's yeah, way that's above the two percent target. When, when it was 125, 130, it hit that point, and Goldman Sachs was jumping up and down. Oh, it's going to 200, or J.P. Morgan was jumping up and down. I said they're full of crap. Okay, and, yeah, but, I, I, I but what I'm saying is 96.45. On, on oil. But yes, what I'm saying is 96.45 may, look may be indicative between... of 7% inflation, not 9%, but that's still well above the 2% uh, target that, that that we all want because that's kind of – that's a livable inflation rate. Um, so that's – I think that's what the Fed is looking at. Um, it's looking at those types of numbers and saying, okay, we got to snuff this out quick and do it do it as best we can. And I, listen, I, like I said, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying, you know, what are they going to – what do I think they're likely to do? I think they're likely to do a point. But they pissed away so much money already. Isn't it make sense to – to make sure they don't ruin the rest of the country and take a chance that that the oil price of oil come down. Well, I mean, they they maybe they they're thinking. And what do I know? I I should really be calling some of them up because I know some of the ex ones at least. Maybe they're thinking we have to get oil. We have to get a recession to get oil down to seventy dollars a barrel. So you know, inflation comes down to three percent. I, I I don't know. I, I'm just saying that when you have a 
a print like this, John, and even the core numbers and the the other numbers are not so great. You know, you could just see the, you could just smell the panic. It's they're going to do something significant, I think. How do you read the, the uh, euro being on par with the dollar? Well, I mean, that's obviously, you know, based on what's going on with European economies, right? And it's not a good thing. And uh, it's also the fact that they have runaway inflation in Europe right now, right? Isn't that well, what, what you're saying you hate to go, You hate to go to France and pay uh, $20 for a croissant. Um, no, it's just the opposite, though. If I'm going to France, my dollar is very strong. My croissant might cost 20 cents. Yeah. Now, uh, I just noticed the, the Bank of Canada, the Bank of Canada has raised uh, interest rates 100 basis points today. Uh, the hike is the most since 1998. So I guess Canada has their own problems. They everybody does, and you know, and then Europe obviously has the problem of of uh, of uh, domestic of their uh, oil oil needs are are served by Russia. I mean, we're in a really messy situation right now. And you, you know, here's one thing that I think we all know that if you're going to play games, woke games with the U.S. economy, if you're going to adopt. ESG measures, if you're going to do these things that, you know, before before we get into an area where we can reliably, reliably, reliably rely on, um, on cleaner uh, types of, of fuels uh, like nuclear power and all that, you know, you're going to you're, you're just playing with fire. I mean, one of the things I think that corporate America did that was really bad was this ESG stuff. And it was pushed by the administration because it forced all these oil companies to cut back. It forced everybody to cut back on the one thing we need to avoid inflation, and that's access to 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 oil. And, you know, and it just really screwed the country up. There was no thought about it. There was, you know, it wouldn't be so bad if we were going zero carbon footprint if we were like embracing nuclear power to it to a large extent. But we're not. I mean, this is this is like, you know, it's like unilateral disarmament. And Ch- Charlie, it's, strange. it's, it's Tony Carbonetti, Charlie. Hey, Tony. You just said, I was talking to a buddy of mine that runs a fund yesterday, and he said he lost a $150 million client because he wasn't ESG compliant. But they do this. And yeah. let, let me tell you something, though. It, it, you know this. The state pension funds, if they lose their money, the state has to make good. So if they're going to start putting all this woke ESG stuff and force the, and, and they don't make the returns they're supposed to make, the state has to make up for it. So yeah. that's and going to come state, from taxes. And New, New York State has wildly adopted ESG. Yeah. I, I know so if they don't hit I, their uh, targets, they have right. to tax people more money just to pay the retirees. Yeah, I mean it's 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 kind of a mess, and uh, I I think you know I, I get I I did a moderated a panel at the Milken conference a couple of months ago about this very topic, and I and I and you know I was there with ESG adherents and you know people that push this stuff, and I said you know I don't think you understand what's coming at you, and they're like what's coming at us? I said if Congress goes Republican, this is going to be a huge issue. They're going to bring this up. They're, they're going to try to you know they're going to try to like sort of you know. You know, remove this from the capital markets in some way or another. Uh, already, you do have some states that are boycotting ESG, any anything that has any company that pushes ESG. I think West Virginia already has um, demanded that its underwriters on its debt and its uh, and its pension brokers, um, you know, 
do not push ESG requirements. So because they're it, supposed to make money for the retirees, that's why well, they're supposed to have a fiduciary responsibility. Yes. But you know, they, Gary Gensler is that's the SEC chair is starting to like make change the definition of fiduciary to include being you know in, in, you know saving uh, the world, saving the world, and it's uh, you know he's on a very slippery legal slope with that. Well, he's on. A, I think uh, it's the same uh, case as the Supreme Court case uh, uh, yeah, that the EPA happened. Case, absolutely, in, uh, you're absolutely right which and said the EPA the EPA is not supposed laws. to do this stuff Congress is supposed to do this heavy lifting it's supposed to be yep. up to the people not 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 some bureaucrat at the at the SEC or the EPA you're 100% I mean, that's, right on that's that one. In the, that's in the law. I mean, that's clearly in the law. But anyway, we, uh, you know, we're in a pickle right now, and uh, and Charlie, there's there's another out. there's another problem too with rising interest rates. That's the debt service that you have to pay. That's true. And that and that means there's less money to be spent on other other programs the government yeah, has to it provide. Taps out your budget deficits. I mean, this is like we're in a really tricky situation here. You know, the the road to serfdom. What starts with great in- intentions? Who said that? Von Hayek? I can't remember. Some smart dude. Not me. <laughs> I'm just saying. And the good intentions was, you know, we wanted to come out of the pandemic. We wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, everybody had food on the table. I get that. We we all want that. Um, but by 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 the end of the, the handouts, it was literally not just food on the table, but you had money from your stimulus checks to uh, to play in the markets. That you had extra money, so you ne- never had to go back to buy work. Bitcoin. And uh, uh-huh. people, were, people thought they could retire on Bitcoin, and it's just it's well, very, we very strange. all the crooked. We bank on Bitcoin. We bankrupting all the crooked prime ministers and presidents that put their money in. And that's <laughs> bottom line. Yes. Charlie, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, God bless you. And uh, we have to save, as Cudlow would say, we have to save America. Uh, you know, I'm trying. I, I'm not, yeah. You know, I look at it this way. I just do my little bit. You know, hopefully, it has some resonance. Thank you so much. You do right, a lot. You do thanks, a lot. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. Uh, thank you. Uh, Lydia, you're in the studio. Who who do we have on next? We're waiting for Rona McDaniel. She's the RNC chairwoman. And John, well, where let's take a break. We oh, want you to want take to a break and come back? You want to, let's take a break and when we come back we'll speak to Rona. We'll talk to her about Biden's low polling numbers, what he has to say, and will there be an October surprise? Keep it right here, Cats at Night. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Cats at Night on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katsimatidis Cats at Night show. We will be speaking momentarily with Rona McDaniel, RNC chairwoman. Then coming up, we'll be speaking with Burt Flickinger and a legendary restaurateur, Stratus Morphogen. Rona McDaniel, the Biden's polling numbers, they are just in the toilet. He seems to be either delusional or lying. Which one is it? And as John Katzmatidi says, will there be an October surprise? I mean, we just never know what's going to happen next. Welcome back to Cats at Night. Well, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be with you. Listen, uh, Biden's polling numbers are terrible. He's delusional. I think he's in a bubble that his aides put him in because they don't want to share with him (laughs) bad news because they know he'll be yelled at (laughs) if they tell him bad news. Um, and, and he won't believe it anyway. But he, this is a, a, a president who's gone to Delaware dozens of weekends. He's never been to our border. He doesn't want to hear the angst and suffering of the American people. He chooses to tune it out. And the American people are showing him what they think about that with these low poll numbers. 
when it comes to an October surprise, I think we saw a little preview of that with Fauci this week. I think um, I, I say there's a new variant coming. It's called the Lexicon. And um, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if, um, if they try and throw us back into lockdown before the election. Oh, my God. Say it ain't so. I mean, Dr. Jill Biden, she she's like his handler, basically. I mean, you thought I thought she was the smart one. And then you hear her comparing Hispanics to tacos and burritos and fiestas and whatever. I mean, this is our opportunity as Republicans, as Americans, forget about Republican, Democrat, to bring Hispanics, more Hispanics over to common sense America, as well as the blacks and as well as the Asians. What do you think, Rona McDaniel? Well, absolutely. I mean, the RNC has been investing in Hispanic, Asian and black outreach for the past two years. We've had actual community centers open in communities that have been habitually taken for granted by the Democrat Party that are now shifting to the Republican Party. We've been in these communities for over a year. Thirty three of these centers open up. One of them in Meyer Flores's area, Texas. Um, And the movement we're seeing is huge. And then Jill Biden goes down and says Hispanic voters are like a breakfast taco. I mean, how insulting is that? Uh, and this is what we're seeing time and time again from the Democrat Party. They go out, they, they say things, but they never deliver for these communities as communities are hurting with high gas prices, high inflation, not being able to choose the school that's best for their children. On issue after issue, the Democrat Party's out of step, especially as they're going so progressive left and embracing movements like defund the police, which, of course, is bringing crime to so many communities across this country. Rona, it's Tony Carbonetti. Those are all great points. And and I think it just proves what I always say, which is Democrats can't govern. They they can somehow figure out to get themselves how how to get themselves elected every now and then. They can't govern. I think since we know we're going to take Congress back, I think we need some type of contract with America. We have to go back and, and say, here's what we're going to do. Let's let's put our plan forth. It'll get more people, more of us elected, and we need something to stick to. We need to be effective once we win. I, I 100% agree with you. And if I have a podcast called Real America. Kevin McCarthy was on it at the very beginning of this year, and we talked about this point. We can't go out and just say, oh, they're bad, they're bad. Yes. We have to talk about what we're going to do when we govern. So Kevin – has actually, um, Kevin has actually created working groups. He is about to release his commitment to America that's going to share with the American people what we will do day one once we take back the House, and they are prepared to govern and implement policies day one. We know in 2016 when Trump won, everybody ran on repeal and replace Obamacare. Guess what? When we got into Washington, it didn't get done. So we have to prove to our voters that we're ready to govern and Democrats and independents who are coming to our party right now. And Kevin McCarthy is absolutely leading that charge. Rona, it's uh, Richard hey, Weinberg. Hey, go, go ahead, Richard. Do you want to go first? Yeah. Go ahead. I just want to ask you, what, are, what is the party doing with respect to ensuring election integrity for the midterms? It's such a great question. I mean, you just saw a big one that we had in your state, in New York. The RNC sued when you passed a law, not you, but it was passed in New York City, that non-citizens, that people who were here illegally could vote in your election, 900,000, and your state Supreme Court just just ruled with the RNC and struck that law down. But across the country, we will have uh, uh, an array of election integrity workers. We've already deployed them. We have them in 16 different states. We have lawyers in the states building out the infrastructure for the early voting period, absentee voting, and then Election Day. We did this in Glenn Youngkin's 
race. We had 500 lawyers on the ground in Virginia. We had a war room triaging those events. This is the first time the RNC will be doing that. We didn't do this in 2020. We were under um, a legal uh, constraint that prevented us from being able to do this. We finally came out from under this. Um, and I'll tell you the other thing that we've been actively doing is not just recruiting poll watchers to train and observe the election. We have made a concerted effort to train and, and recruit poll workers. So in Wisconsin, for example, we have we have already recruited 5,000 poll workers. Over 400 of them will just be in Milwaukee County. That's the uh, question I was concerned about with the judge brought up. Uh, because there's a lack of confidence in the in, in the voters that they feel that something went wrong in in 2020, and uh, we need whether it's Democrats or Republicans, we need an election that the American people feel confident in. A hundred percent. Hundred percent, and there are states that are going to be we're going to struggle in. I mean, California, we can't change laws. I mean, you saw Georgia change their laws that you have to you know, show ID to vote absentee. That makes a lot of sense to a lot of people. Guess what? The Department of Justice sued Georgia for making that law. Um, that law is going to be in place for this election. It's going to be in that place. That is unbelievable that, Florida. that Biden, Biden sued Arizona for requiring yes. proof that you're a citizen. Exactly. These are the things that we're up against. So the RNC, we we uh, were granted standing to defend the Georgia law. We're defending Florida. We're defending Texas as these laws are passed. Um, and then we're also proactively suing. So we just won a big case in Wisconsin where they're going to get rid of drop boxes. But this is a it's a three pronged of, uh, uh, effort. We have to have communication. We have to have bodies on the ground and then we have to have a legal effort. And we're doing that. We need partners. And we also need people to volunteer to be Election Day workers. You've got a big election coming up in New York on August 23rd. This is going to be one of the seats to take back Congress in the vacated Delgado seat um, in in, uh, New York 19. And we've got a great candidate, Mark Molinaro. And we need people to get out and make sure that Republicans know we have to get out. This is one seat closer to retiring Nancy Pelosi, and it runs right through New York. Rona McDaniel, this is Lydia Serrano. I think another key aspect is making people realize, especially here in New York, that Republican isn't necessarily a bad word. I think what we're about is is pro-law and order. We're pro-family. We're pro-God. I mean, here in New York City, we just found out, I don't know if you heard about this, but the NYPD will no longer be testing its officers for marijuana use. Uh, crime is so out of control that restaurants aren't opening up. Thieves are going into grocery stores with suitcases and packing it up with meats and beers and haagen and just walking out. Seattle crime is up 164%. San Francisco, you saw that video of the Olympian in California and L.A. that got bashed in the face by a homeless person. I think that's the message we need to get out to the inner city, which happens to be heavily Democratic, anti-Republican, that we're all the same here. We just want to have a peaceful way of life. Well, I, I actually think this election isn't about Republican versus Democrat agree, as much yeah. as it's about common sense versus crazy. Yes. Most Americans believe parents should have a say in their kids' education. Most Americans believe we should have a secure southern border and not allow drugs to be coming across at such a porous rate. Most Americans believe that we should have police and protection and that people should be held accountable for their crimes and our communities should be safe. These are the things that Republicans are standing for right now. And when you talk to people one-on-one, 
They go, that makes so much sense. Of course, we should be energy independent so our gas prices aren't $5 a gallon. Of course, we shouldn't be going to Venezuela and Saudi Arabia for gas when we have it right here in the U.S. made cleaner and safer and creating American jobs. These are the things we stand for. And when you see the Democrats embracing such radical ideals, uh, it is crazy. The defund the police movement alone and what you're seeing in New York with your horrible D.A., uh, it, it is so egregious what's happening in, in, in cities like New York, and crime is something that's a big issue, and it's on the minds of many, many voters. Well, Miranda, th- the, my you. last question, because I understand you have uh, uh, a quick uh, – you have a break, and we have a break. Uh, uh, yeah, sorry. I have a hard out. There, there's a war. No, it's okay. There's a war going on in New York, in case you don't know, between common-sense Democrats and the crazy Democrats. But yeah. one of the problems is the common-sense Democrats, a lot of them don't have the courage to stand up to the crazies. It's like the bully in, in, in high school. If you don't stand up to the bully – when you stand up to them, the bullies going to run away. Because the louder, ele- yeah, the, the louder element of the Democrat Party, that's, that is scary, right? These are the people that say, go bully this person. Go, let's put out a cash reward for anybody who shows where Justice Kavanaugh or any Supreme Court justice is eating dinner so we can go harass them. The Democrat Party, the radical Democrat Party, is embracing this. They are embracing such extreme elements. They are embracing tyranny and basic um, low-level terrorism to get their point across, and regular Democrats are afraid of them. And that's why they have taken such a stranglehold of their party. Rona, thank you for coming on. Rona McDaniel, and you're the uh, Republican Republican, national chairman. Uh, and you want to also represent the common sense Democrats if they're on any left. I mean, Absolutely. Uh, thank, you so, thank you so much for coming on. Keep fighting. We, the American people have to feel that they're getting an honest count when they go vote. And, and the, the blacks, the Latinos, and the Asians, uh, the Democrats hate, hate religion, and we don't understand why. Let's uh, stand by all of them. We'll all stand together. And in November, we're going to bring back America. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for having me. Thanks, John. Take care. Take care. Let's, uh, let's take a break. And when we come back, uh, the prices keep rising. And uh, let's see what Bert Flickinger, uh, a, a real consumer advocate, uh, has to say. Let's take that break. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats and Night Show. We still got a great show for everyone. We'll be speaking with Stratus Morphogen, also speaking to Dr. Mark Siegel. It looks like uh, this subvariant of COVID is taking over the United States. Oh boy! But first, now we have Bert Flickinger. He's going. He's a basically a consumer expert and. 
Burt Flickinger, my goodness, the the inflation, 9.1%, energy up 41%. I mean, how much more can Americans take? I was reading one article that said the average American is, uh, because of inflation, is now going to have to shell out another $3,400, an American family, almost $7,000. Is this going to get worse or get better? Where does it go from here? Lydia, getting worse, uh, 7000 more this year on top of 5000 last year. Breaking news, the Gallup organization released with uh, WBUR Boston uh, that this country and 122 countries in the world are the, the people are the most depressed and anxious about inflation, security, uh, their personal safety and their family's safety, and depression is at an all-time high. Uh, confidence and, and joy and positivity is at an all-time low. And Lydia and John, what's most interesting is the point it started was during the Arab Revolution uh, over a decade ago when the better part of a million Christians, Kurds, Jews, uh, Muslims, and uh, people of the Middle East were raped, maimed, murdered, kidnapped, and massacred by the jihad Johnnies in the Middle East. And then the high point for uh, the, wor- the world anxiety was the Afghanistan debacle. So to your point, Lydia, it's the worst inflation since November 1981. Afghanistan is the worst country in terms of confidence, depression, and anxiety. But America's not further behind because they've completely lost faith in the political leaders, uh, crime on the street, and they can't pay their bills, to your point. 7,000 more this year, 12,000. And the Bureau of Labor Statistics said wages is only going up 4% this year, but hours are being cut and jobs are being cut. I've crisscrossed the country from Mississippi to Texas to Minnesota. The parking lots have been empty and the retail numbers deported by the, reported by the Department of Commerce tomorrow will be deeply troubling and concerning because nobody's shopping because nobody can afford it. And what they bought from Amazon last month, they're returning this month. And Amazon Prime is having a week, two days, and the rest of retail even worse. Are you saying that people are returning more and more product than ever before by mail order? John, Amazon's returns are up 320 percent in 2022 versus prior year 2021. Wow, that's a big number. That's huge. 320 percent. That's a big. That's because no one goes to the store anymore. They just get five things online and return three of them. Yeah, but people are returning things back. That's how Amazon made its money. A lot of people were too lazy to return it. Now every single dollar counts. You're gonna well, you're gonna go to the UPS store to drop off that fifteen dollar item. Bert, it's, it's Richard Weinberg. What does an average consumer do to protect himself or herself in this kind of uh, situation? Judge, the only thing a uh, consumer can do the is right go way to in November. That's what you do. Yeah, and That's and right. go to John's. Go to John's, uh, Gristini's, and D'Agostino, and Morty Sloan's, Morton Williams stores, and BJ's and Costco, and buy the store brands. But we're seeing the desperation in shoppers' faces in dollar stores and Dollar General and Family Dollar across the country. And people are buying seven ounces of bologna because uh, just for a couple days, and that's all they have is one meal to feed their family because the poverty is is the most widespread we've seen 
uh, since uh, the dark, darkest days of, of the 1960s, which resulted in, in riots across the country. But Bert, it's Tony Carbonetti. I'm, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. They hand me a cheat sheet here. Mm-hmm. It says inflation 9.1%. But underneath it says energy up 41%, gas 60%, airline 34 eggs 33 How is it 9 Everything is above 9 po- That's a great point you're raising, Tony Carbonetti, because President Biden and President Clinton's own economics advisor, Larry Summers, seconded uh, by Bill Dudley at the Fed, said inflation is between 13 to 14 percent. If it was calculated the same way when it was at the prior all-time high in November 1981, so it's 14 percent going on 18, going on 20, to your excellent points, Tony. Yeah, milk, 16, coffee, 15. My friend Caitlin, she complains every time she goes to the store, it's 25% more. That's because not everybody uh, uh, flies an airplane, not everybody drives a car, Tony. But they're all buying milk and coffee. But, uh, you know, Bert, we should do an analysis on how they figure out that percentage because guaranteed the the, the feds are cooking the books somewhere. I agree. John, you're completely correct, and, and and even President Obama and Clinton's own advisors confirmed John Katsvatidis' excellent insights. The books are being cooked, and they won't take responsibility and accountability, and the country is suffering, and the working poor are suffering the most uh, because uh, they can't put food on the family and gas in the car to go to work, and when they go to work, their hours are being cut. So even if they got a pay increase, the paycheck they take home at the end of the week is less this year than last year. You know what I've noticed? I understand I do, that uh, Bank America has said that people uh, that make ends meet, that uh, that uh, their consumers on their credit cards are starting to borrow more and more than ever before. So it, it's showing Bank up somewhere. And Russia's benefiting the most because uh, – the Russian inflation is less than 4% compared to our 13%, and the Russian currency is up the highest of any currency in the world. So they're laughing as they sell uh, to Tony's and your points, John. They're laughing as they mark up natural gas 5 to 600% because we won't even permit it uh, being shipped across New York State and New England and other key states like Cal- California. So Russians are, are benefiting while co- committing heinous crimes and, and and atrocities and americans are suffering and the only way to do it john is what you said people have to vote and show up whether it's the primaries in new york city uh, or whether it's the general elections this november in 2024 because the country's out of control and this gallup survey shows the whole world's out of control because the uh, the world's more depressed and and uh, more anxious than any time in recorded history, according to Gallup and WBUR in Boston. Well, Bert Flickinger, you got we got a minute left. You any any last uh, voice for uh, the uh, American people? The the key, the key thing, John, uh, for for the American people is is uh, have faith, have confidence, and what we're seeing across the country is what you've always advocated, John spirituality, regardless of faith, regardless of denomination, uh, pray, work together, get the religious institutions open, uh, work with the religious leaders, 
and work with common sense government leaders to have a common sense solution because common sense is completely uncommon across the country and many of the people who regrettably have, have run it the wrong way given their lack of experience prior to holding public office and for some of them uh, that lack of experience is lifelong. Mark Fleckinger, thank you so much for coming on and keeping the American people aware of the, what's going on uh, in inflation and pricing. And should I buy more Oreo cookies? Are they going up again? They're, bad They're going you. up again. And fa- thank you, John, Li- Lydia, Judge, and Tony. Uh, you're you're so insightful. You've got great intuitive intelligence, along with your uh, commercial, personal, and professional and political common sense. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Bert. Uh, Lydia, I believe we have uh, a new gentleman on the phone. Right. Uh, we have Stratus Morphigan, and he is a legendary restaurateur. Welcome to Cats at Night, Stratus. Oh, thank you for having me. Hi, John. Hi. How are you doing, Stratus? Now, the, 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 I've heard you uh, the other day, and I talked to you along with Dr. Peter Michalos, uh, that uh, – uh, you're trying to open up a restaurant in uh, Manhattan, and nobody's cooperating, and, and, and uh, customers are afraid to come to it because of, of the neighborhood, and even your employees are scared to work there. Tell us, tell us all about Tell all New Yorkers about it, and I hope somebody from uh, the NYPD or Economic Development is listening. Go ahead. So, John, you probably remember my grandfather's restaurant was Pappas, and that was on 14th Street from 1910 to 1975. So during COVID, I found a great space on Greenwich Village on McDougal Street. I signed the lease in September 2020. I was one of those types that was signing deals while everybody was running from the burning building. I was actually running into the burning buildings, and I was doing deals. And I was really excited about this. I've got the chef of Milos and Avra. Uh, I'm bringing back my grandfather's uh, namesake. And um, I got to tell you, we were supposed to open about a year and a half ago. A lot of issues with landmarks, getting through that. But what's happened on McDougal Street between Bleecker and Mineta, it's an open drug market. Um, the neighbors are complaining. We've been complaining for months. And it happened to be that an article came out in the New York Post where I jumped up and down. And I said, I'm not opening this restaurant with 130 employees. Until we take back this street, because I walk by my street, they've even chained couches to the front of the restaurant, which is under construction. We have, we're, we're supposed to open last month, but I'm not opening. And I told the commander of the 6th Precinct, I'm not opening until you get this under control, because I can't expect my employees to walk into this filth, walk into this. I mean, it's literally open air crime going on. And the commander said to me, we've arrested people 20 times and they're out the next day. So there the issue goes to D.A. Bragg. No one is doing anything, and they are pro-criminal and anti-small business. And that's what we're facing here, and I will not open until the 6th Precinct gets this street under control. Stratus, uh, no, this, oh, sorry. I, no, let Stratus tell us all the restaurants he's opened up because we did, we should have started off to, telling him about all the successes you had in New York. Tell us the name of the restaurants you opened up. I've owned about 40 restaurants from my dad's Hilltop Diner, Gotham Diner, Philippe Chow, uh, um, and now I own Brooklyn Chop House in Times Square and Brooklyn Chop House in Fidei, and we also own all the Brooklyn Dumpling Shops where we have about 100 units opening around the country right now. And i got to tell you, it's so much easier doing business outside of the East River and the Hudson. 
You're absolutely right there. You know, uh, when I'm opening up, we're building a building down in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida. Uh, Democrats and Republicans, uh, politicians said, they asked us, what else can we do to help you? Exactly. Versus New York, what else can we do to kick you? But John, he's right. The sixth precinct can only do, they can keep arresting them if they're if the DA keeps letting them loose. How many times are you going to arrest these guys? The, the, the cops feel like they're banging their heads against the wall. Just last week, the NYPD said that gun arrests are up over 4% over this time last year. However, only 20% of those arrested remain behind bars. That's so, ridiculous. Yeah. So, so we, we, gave them, we gave them a video of three kids jumping up on the scaffold and trying to open up windows where most of those kids are NYU student, dorm, dorm students. And we have a video of them going up on the scaffold trying to break into the apartment. And they did it at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And then we have a video of a guy coming in in the middle of the night and stole $20,000 worth of construction equipment. And do you know what? This cop said, oh, we know this guy. We've arrested him 20 times in one month. And he doesn't even spend eight hours in prison. He's out immediately. and then the we other gotta straighten out, we're gonna straighten out New York City. We gotta straighten out New York City, and that's what I'm talking about. And if business can't do business, the 66 million tourists are not going to come back. I agree with you 100. percent Yep. And what the what the commander said, the other problem they have is one hand tied behind their back. He specifically said, Stratus, we need 24 more cops to police this precinct, and we just can't get them because when they put these mandates on everyone, we lost a lot of good people. And a lot of good cops retired early, and they have not been replaced. So I'll give you my word that I'm going to take people from the park, and we're going to do a better job on McDougal Street. And I said, I will tell you, I'm, I'm bringing this right up to the mayor, which I have already. I'm not opening my restaurant, Papa's Taverna, with 130 employees until we take back this street. And please keep us informed about what's going on. We'll have you on again and let us know what your discussion has been with the mayor because the mayor has common sense and he'll, he'll do the right thing. And uh, uh, Frank, my friend Francine Lefrak texted me. He says, make sure you tell him I want a reservation when uh, uh, he opens up the restaurant. Okay, John, I, I, think, <laughs> I think it's time the governor just stood up and removed Bragg. She, well, she, she won't do it. It's got to happen. If she doesn't do gotta that, happen. Let me, people in November are going to vote for whoever is going to keep them safe. And if, if Governor Hochul doesn't do that, then there's going to be hell to Lee pay. Zeldin and, uh, will. She has to know about it. L- L- Lee Zeldin will. She literally said regarding the Jose Alba story, you know, the Harlem Bodega owner that was defending himself. She said, oh, that's a community issue. That's a local issue. Oh, I don't want to get involved issue. in it. Can you believe that? Unbelievable. I, I think that, that community is located in her state. The right thing. I'm he, sorry. He did us all a favor. <laughs> um, well, God bless. Let's take a, we're going to take a break right now. Thank you, Stratos. We're going to take a break right now, and we're going to come back, and uh, we're going to have Dr. Mark Siegel. There's so many things happening in medicine. We need two doctors sometimes to tell us what the heck is going on. Let's take that break. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. Bruno. He's your numero uno. 
Now, here's John Katsimatidis on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katsimatidis Cats at Night show. And now bestowing us with his greatness, fresh off his TV appearance, Dr. Mark Siegel. We were just watching you on the screen talking about this pesky Omicron Variants. I mean, just when we thought we we were over this thing, it looks like people are getting stricken down left and right with COVID. What the heck is going on? Well, the variant that's coming out now, Lydia, is uh, one that the vaccine doesn't protect you much against. And and if you had COVID four or five months ago, the natural immunity you get doesn't protect you that much. If you've had COVID recently, it does. If you have had a recent booster, it helps. So with all of that, it decreases your risk of hospitalization. And, you know, you can still get Paxlovid, which is still working. And a lot of times I need to give a second course. Or, as some people have gotten, you can get the monoclonal antibodies that a specific one that Lily makes actually works pretty well. Somebody told me today it takes five, ten minutes, and it, and it really is, is useful, but it hasn't gotten enough attention. And, you know, the Biden administration hasn't done enough to keep the tools up to date and, and effective for what's coming, coming our way. Doctor, how do, how do you answer this question? People say, well, I got uh, I had COVID before, but I had the other one. And now there's this new one. How do you know which one you have? Well, because the the BA five uh, is about sixty percent of all the variant circu- of all the COVID circulating now, and it's on the up. It's it's very simple. It, it, if it's more transmissible, it's going to outcompete the other subvariants. There's another one called Centaurus. Oh my God, that's coming to us from India. That looks very transmissible. But right now the BA5 is winning the race. And and, and, I, and again, most of the time, it's a mild case, especially if you're not in a high-risk group, especially if you've been vaccinated or had, had COVID recently. It, 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 these are more upper respiratory viruses now than when they were at the beginning, which is good news. You know, Dr. Siegel, what's frustrating is like a lot of doctors don't seem to be on the same page. Uh, when I had COVID about a month ago, I said, hey, can I get Paxlovid? I don't want to infect my daughter or my parents. And the doctor was very resistant to give it to me. And then you hear about other people that they do qualify for the monoclonal antibodies or and they and they don't get it. They get the Paxlovid instead. And Paxlovid, it's not it's not that easy. You get very dehydrated on it. So why can't the doctors even get all on the same page here about what the proper protocol is when somebody comes in infected with COVID? The answer is that doctors are not all-knowing, and a lot of them don't have the privilege of doing what I've been doing for the past two years, which is interviewing the top experts in the country every week and, and, and having written books on flu myself, which is a related virus, very similar, you know, it gave it me an advantage. I think this country is full of people with a lot of hot air that think, oh, I got a, I got a following on Twitter or, oh, I know John Casmatides. I'm just going to I'm just joking. I'm just joking. No, knowing John is an enormous advantage. It gives you a platform. But but seriously, too many people have too many opinions. The answer is both of those tools that you mentioned are quite useful. Both the monoclonal antibodies and, and Paxlovid are useful. And I can tell you who I want to give to, to who and why and when. So it, it has to do with something called clinical judgment, which seems to have gone out the window. Paxlovid is useful. And I actually agree with where you were going with this, Lydia, which is we should be expanding its use, not, not looking for reasons not to give it. I couldn't agree more. Um, Let's talk about something else. I saw that sleep is an integral part of heart health. It's one of the eight main criteria if you want to stay healthy. I tell John Katzenstein all all the time he's got to sleep. He works day and night, all day, all night. 
weekends too, right, John? Yep. <laughs> How yeah, important he, is it to get a good night's rest? I happen to know John takes a few a few moments off for beautiful breakfasts and dinners, and <laughs> he's just a great overall guy. But rest is important, and de- de-stressing is important. My wife's a big fan of yoga. I think that helps a lot. <laughs> Whatever you can do to relax. I think that sleeping has to do with a routine that you do. In other words, you, 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 we're all with that iPhone blaring in the middle of the night. You know, we don't put it on low. We don't turn it off. We leave it in the same room. I think that that's damaged sleep hygiene a great deal. And I bet, I bet you, people out there may not even have heard that term, sleep hygiene. Sleep hygiene is the most important thing. We don't have great sleeping pills either, Lydia, that we can actually use without side effects. So it's all about... It's all about, and by the way, I also like exercise, regular exercise, staying hydrated, like you say, always going to sleep at the same time. All of that helps. Right, because I feel like it does build up, it helps with your immune system, correct? Yeah, immune dysfunction is definitely due to stress and not having lifestyle, not exercising, not eating right, uh, and, and not sleeping right, which we tend to overlook. I want to add one thing, by the way. There is breaking news that you don't know about, which is the FDA finally approved the Novavax vaccine, which we've been pushing for a long time. And I think that that's an advantage, and that may get to some people who haven't been taking the other vaccines because it's very single, similar to the shingles vaccine we give. I thought you were going to tell no. me you're dating a supermodel now or something. Mm. Famous uh, actor. You're introduce me. You're supposed to introduce me. What do you mean? <laughs> I thought you were Dr. a supermodel, Lydia. What yeah. do you mean? She is. She is. Doctor, uh, <laughs> what is, uh, when people ask you, what's the difference between the old-fashioned flus and what we're getting today, what would you say to them? Well, I think that, I think that the, the old-fashioned flus are known as the grip meaning that you're walking along feeling great one day, and the next thing you know, you're laid out. I think that what's happened is that we've ended up with a smorgasbord of viruses, respiratory viruses, that that are just taking over what we always thought of as the flu. Like the flu is the only thing that can deck you. Now other things can. But I think you're you're reaching a really good point here, which is there's too much fear with all of this. We're always afraid of something, and the fear quotient with COVID has been ridiculously high. It's okay to take measures, you know, like we're talking about on the show today, measures of, of caution, but that's different than the panic that we've seen. People wearing, nervously wearing a mask around their chin like, it, like it's some kind of virtual signaling or ritual. That, this whole society has gone in the dumpster over that, and we have to get back to learning to live with viruses, identifying them, knowing the risk is. Somebody said the other day, John, stay home when you're sick. Remember that? Stay home when yep. you're sick. That's it. That's it. That's a kind of common sense approach. We keep saying we America's lacking a lot of common sense. Put the criminals away. You got an illegal gun. Go to jail. Stop stealing. Stop smashing people over the head in Times Square, which, by the way, just happened about an hour ago. Again, oh. another subway rider. So, uh, Dr. Mark Siegel, we got about a minute left. Anything else you want to say? Yeah, how about cleaning up the garbage here in New York? What's going on? When I was growing up, there wasn't garbage on the streets. Now you see huge piles yes. of garbage, and the and rats, rats. are, are, have a rat rats are our family pet here. That's My right. dog got one a couple months ago. Ew. Yeah, it wasn't. I nice. live in Westchester County, and there's like a homeless woman by the McDonald's, and there's people. And I called up 
the police department. I said, why is she here? Why are these people here living here? And he's like, well, it's New York. I said, this is the suburbs. I don't pay like $20,000 in taxes to have homeless people living outside of my McDonald's. Tell her to go back to the city where she, where they all belong. But whatever. I'm just kidding. Homeless listen, people you know, should not be anywhere, but whatever. And disease spreads. I mean, look, oh. you know, you can't have, you can't have public health. If there's rats. There's leptospirosis. There's the plague. I mean, there's tularemia. There's all kinds of rat-borne diseases that we're going to be subject to. And China is making and, and, and it's in the lab as we speak right now. I'm just kidding. Thank you so much, Doctor Siegel. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. On a high note, we're going out to a nice dinner. Okay. Yes. Enjoy. 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 And uh, what do we stand for on this show, guys? Truth, justice, and the American way. American way. And God bless America. Thank you to all our guests and thank you to all our listeners. We try to do the best we can to get you the truth. And that's what it's all about. God bless. God save America.